Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go. So uh, look at the person beside you and say, I'm so glad you are here. All right, let's get started. We'll pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Lord, thank you for bringing us uh, here. Lord, thank you for bringing us into the very space, Lord, where where hearts are uh, heart, uh, hearts begin to beat again. Lord, uh, shackles and chains and sin begins to fall off, Lord, and fall away. Insecurities begin to die out, Lord, and your presence and your your sweet aroma, Lord, it begins just to wash over us. Wash over us physically, mentally, spiritually, so Lord, to the point that we 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 don't see um, the lack that we have in our life, but Lord, we see what we are blessed with, and we see who we are blessed with. Lord, we see Your hand upon us, Lord, in every stage of our life. Lord, I thank You for making us aware of that today. Lord, let the words of my mouth, just like I said this morning, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart let it be acceptable in Your sight, Lord. But not just me. Let all of our Lord, everyone in this room, every individual, Lord, let our let our words be acceptable in your sight, Lord. And if they're not, we give you permission to uh, correct them, to alter them, to change them, Lord, to be something that's worthy of you, Lord, worthy of your glory, Lord. You are a holy God, and we understand that. We reverence it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Two weeks ago, I was driving to Jackson, and, um, you know, for those that are doing the fast, it's... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm praying with you, praying for you. Um, just a reminder, we got this is our last week. This is our last week. Stay strong. If you're like, Lindsay, I, I didn't start the fast. Well, guess what? This is the perfect time. If you feel led and influenced by the Lord, we said the last time I was in church, when it comes to the fast, fasting, it doesn't move God. There's, <clears throat> you know, if you fast food or fast in social media or certain TV shows or fasting, uh, staying out of other people's business, whatever it is, like, it doesn't move God. I, I couldn't. I just had to. I just I wanted to. I just wanted to. It made you laugh, made you smile. So see, now we now people are like, OK, now I see the shoulders moving a little bit. So we, we getting loose. We getting loosey goosey now. But fasting doesn't move God. It moves us. You know, the best way to think about it is, you know, WZLT. Every time I say every time I hear that, I can hear the jingle WZLT 99.3. So but WZLT, they are always broadcasting something on their radio station, always broadcasting. Now, most people, at least I don't listen to it. But however, if I want to listen to it, I'm going to have to go through this war of white note, uh, white noise or static. You know, there's always static on the radio, but you have to turn the dial. And once you turn the dial to the right station, then you can hear the message that's always been broadcasting. You know, WZLT, they don't wait till you or I get up in the morning. OK, uh, Miss Arnell's up in the morning. All right, let's let's start the show. No, it's it's constantly going. So the thing about with fasting, God is always speaking. Hebrews one says that there was a time where he used to speak through the prophets, but now he speaks through his son, Jesus. And Jesus lives in us. So he's always speaking. But in order for us to cut through the white noise of gossip or the white noise of what's going on in the world or insecurities or uh, our past or rumors that's being said or the things that the devil likes to beat us up, in order to cut through all that static to hear God, we fast because it gets your flesh under subjection. And uh, I'm, trust me, it's, it, it's not, it's, nobody goes into fasting. At least most human beings don't go into fasting thinking, all right, I can't wait to fast. Woo, yeah, I can't wait to give up the bacon. You know, most human beings aren't like, oh, I can't wait to give up barbecue sauce. We was watching a show last night and uh, this entrepreneur, he met this other person at a barbecue shack. And I'm just like, mm. I couldn't even I, I couldn't even focus on what they're doing. I'm just thinking I'm thinking, man, I wonder what did he order? Oh, he's got a son. New. Oh, I wonder what to get a son. You know, if, I, if it was me, I'll get my son. I'm so I'm, I'm already putting I'm, I'm living vicariously through this person. And it was a rerun at that. So I'm just like, well, what would they have ordered? You know, well, they're out in uh, California. Hmm. wonder what the barbecue's like in California. Is it like so I'm just uh, that's that's how I miss it. No, no human being goes into the fast thinking, oh, I can't wait to give up barbecue sauce or oh, I can't wait to give up Instagram. 
No, we do it because it's a discipline. It's, it's something that puts our flesh under subjection so we can hear God clearly. We can hear him, what he's always been saying. So this is our last week doing that. So if you're like, I haven't started the fast, this is the perfect time. If you feel led to be like, you know what, I want to give up, uh, I want to give up soda or I want to give up certain foods or I want to give up social media or TV, uh, whether it's for, uh, for the rest of this week or a certain time of the day. But uh, when we was at Judah Church, uh, Pastor Jenny said it best. You know, a lot of times people, they will give up food and just think that that's it. That's, that's dieting when you just give up food. See, what makes it fascinating is when you include prayer, when you include reading the word, when you include spending time. If you don't do those three things while you're fasting, then you're just dieting. You know, then you're just going without a couple meals or without Instagram or without TV or whatever it is. But when you include praying, reading and spending time with the Lord, that's what makes it fasting. So I encourage you this week, if you haven't, you know, join in because at the end of the day, God is doing something great. And that leads me to say, so I was driving to Jackson and, uh, you know, I wanted normally one of the things that the Lord has been dealing with me is I'm always listening to something, always listening to something or always watching something, you know, because I want to learn something. I, that's just my I don't know why, but I just I love to learn. Ah, I love to learn. Like I have a few documentaries on my watch later that uh, I'm, I'm excited already. And there's a new one that comes out every week, and I just feel like I can't catch up, but I like that feeling. And as I'm driving to Jackson uh, to go get a haircut, driving to Jackson to go get a haircut, and I'm thinking, oh, what am I going to listen to today? And uh, I just felt this need to not listen to anything. I need to spend time with the Lord. I'm like, okay, you know, you're right, Lord. Yeah, I need to spend time with you. And as, um, as I'm driving, I just said, Lord, what is, what's the vision for this church? You know, because, you know, I don't know if you noticed, but the last, you know, since I guess August or whatever, we've been talking about relaunch and rebrand. And, and I don't even like using that word rebrand, but really uh, shifting and transforming the church to be um, to be the light and, and to fulfill the purpose within Henderson County and, and in Lexington as well. So I asked the Lord, <coughs> I said, Lord, what's the vision for this church? What's the vision for this church? What do you want this church to look like? What do you want us to do? Because I don't know if you you can look in the newspaper. They post a listing of all the churches. They're so helpful, all the churches and their phone numbers. But I don't know if you noticed, last time I counted, I think it was 120 or 150 churches just within Lexington. Yeah, I know. When I, when I counted, I was like, good Lord, there's more churches than there are pharmacies. And there's a lot of pharmacies. So uh, shout out to Dre. If you need your medicines filled, hook, holler at her. You can get them for free. You got to pay, but still, you know. She's a Christian in the, in the pharmaceutical world. There we go. Yeah. Plug. Plug. If you were my sister, I wouldn't do that. So I love you. <laughs> but um, I said, Lord, what's the vision for this church? And uh, if, you're, if you're ready, I'm going to give it. If you're not ready, well, uh, buckle up because here it comes. And he simply said, Lindsay, I, just, I want people of communion. I want, I want a collective of people that are about communion. And instantly, I just, I just gripped the steering wheel hard because it, it was something heavy. And to understand this communion, communion, uh, the moment he said it, I thought, this is more than just the breaking of bread and the drinking of the grape juice or whatever it is that you do. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's only a tenth of what communion really is. You know, communion, it's us coming into union with God through Jesus. So when he said, I, I desire people of communion, I'm like, Lord, what's the vision of the church? I want people of communion. I was like, people of communion? Well, explain that to me further. And I remember the rest of the car ride, it was, it was almost like the car was just floating on there. It was almost the car was in autopilot. And literally, I'm driving. I'm still aware, but I'm just listening and soaking in all that he's saying to me, everything that he's saying. And when he said, I desire people of communion, I desire people of fellowship. See, communion, communion, what that is really, communion is fellowship manifested in action. Just means that, you know, so, so for that next 20, 25 minutes of me driving to Jackson, I communed with God. And I just sobbed and wept. And I was exposed. I was exposed because I'm like, okay, God, we're fellowshipping. I, you know what? I, Lord, here's things that I, I wrestle with. 
and I begin to tell them different things that I wrestle with and, and the why on why I wrestle with them and my disappointment in certain things, my expectations of certain things and how they haven't been met or, or maybe they're going to be met. I just begin to unload and open up on him. I didn't go off or anything like that, but I just begin to, my, I just begin to expose my heart. The Bible says the, the, issues, uh, uh, the issues of life flow out of our heart. I just begin to let those things flow. And I remember as I'm sobbing and weeping, I just I just felt this healing, this healing literally uh, penetrating my heart at, after every issue that I will list. Now, doesn't uh, these issues still exist? You know, my kids are still kids. Bills still got to be paid, all these different things. But at the end of the day, the way I see these things now are different. There's not a bitterness towards these different things that I was listening to God because I'm saying, God, I'm bitter about this. I'm bitter how this was handled. I'm bitter how this person was treated or how we were treated about this. Lord, I'm bitter. I, I don't like this. I, 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 w- I wish this was different. Or, Lord, I don't know your will for me in this area or all these different things. And that was God's desire, not for me to be bitter or to, or to, to cry or sob, but God's desire was just that fellowship. So when he says, I want people of communion, he's saying, I want people that fellowship with me, Amen. that fellowship with me. And I remember ever since then, uh, but I remember uh, fast forward any time I get in the car or even at the house, I just the after that moment, this awareness of his presence has increased. This awareness has now it doesn't it's I'm not saying that because of that moment he started coming into my life. No, no, no. God is omnipresent. It means he's everywhere at all times. But now, because, because I've, I've encountered fellowshipping with him and I'm trying to make it a practice, my mind is aware more of when he's with me. My mind is aware more of his goodness. My mind is more aware of, you know what, this isn't as bad as I thought. Or it could, this could be worse than what it really is. You know, we ever have those moments where you're like, you know what, this ain't, this ain't great, but it could be a lot worse. I'm, I'm more aware of those moments. I remember yesterday as I was delivering the mail, I'm, I'm, you know, putting letters in the bots and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm like, what do I want to listen to? You're like, no, 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 Lord, I want to listen to your voice. Like, Lord, I'm, Lord, let's fellowship right now. And for the, for the remainder of that route, I was describing this to mom and Kelsey last night, but for the remainder of the route, it literally felt like he was sitting in the passenger seat of the car with his, win- with his elbow hanging out the, the window. And, then, and I'm not saying, uh, please, please, don't, don't, don't base this off of, oh, Lindsay's super spiritual or this isn't spiritual. But for me, that time in the car, it felt like he was just elbow out of the car, just hanging out with me talking about different things it wasn't super spiritual it wasn't thus thee thou and all that it was just it was just his presence was in the car and guess what when his presence was in the car you know what state my heart was in peace there wasn't any anxiety i wasn't worried about i hope kelsey and the boys are safe i wasn't worried about is this bill being paid or i wasn't worried about how the car was operating or i wasn't worried about the rest of my workload it was just peace it was peace and that was his desire which was just fellowship and that's his desire for all mankind, but especially for our church, for this collective of people. God's desire for your life is to fellowship with him more. Fellowship with him more. So I know for sure this Sunday we're going to be talking about people of communion. Maybe next Sunday we'll talk about, uh, or we're talking about today, communion with God. But next Sunday we'll talk about communion with our neighbors because that was another thing he told me. He said, it's, it's, it's not enough just to, to fellowship with me. But you need to fellowship with your neighbors as well. I mean, because Jesus summed it up best. He said, you know, love God, love the Lord our God, and then also love our neighbors just as we love ourselves. So therefore, Jesus puts very high and not just Jesus, but God as well, because Jesus only says and does what the Father does as well. So therefore, God places the person that you live beside, those co-workers that you do like or don't like, uh, the random people that you see at the gas station that you don't talk to because you're just like, I just want to get in and get out. Or better yet, when we go to Walmart and we're praying, God, please don't let me see anybody. Let me just get in, get out. I ain't got time to talk to nobody. God values those, those people. He values all that. And guess what? He wants us to love them. And, you know, you, you, when, to, to say love is not to be like he wants you to go up and just hug him and say, I love you so much. And they just slap the mess out of you because it's weird. No, he's saying, I, w- I want you to love your neighbors. Therefore, I want you to intentionally see it. Do they have a need? Whether spiritually, physically or mentally so and see if you can help assist in that need. But God wants us to be people of communion. Somebody say communion. communion. So I, I wrote this down. <clears throat> We're still going to be in, in Luke chapter 24. We'll read in just a minute. 
But actually, let's go and let's go and read it now. Luke chapter 24. We're going to be in verses 23 through 32. I'm reading the New Living Translation. If you have it, you can follow along. If not, I'll, I'll be very brief and paraphrase as well to try to make it um, very uh, relatable and understandable. But Luke chapter 24. <clears throat> I love the story. Right before I read, let me just catch up to speed. But Jesus has risen from the grave. And this is one of my favorite stories uh, post-resurrection or post the cross. But uh, there's these two men that are walking from one town to the nets, and the the, uh, the town is called uh, Emmaus, uh, which means the burning place. And uh, I love it because um, these two guys, they're walking, and Jesus, who is in disguise, which I'm, I thought that's pretty cool, you know. But at the same time, I'm like, how do you not recognize Jesus? You know, it's Jesus. Like, he just rose from the grave. He's probably glowing, you know, got the got the marks on his hands. I mean, what's, he's got a hoodie, got a hood up. I mean, how do you not recognize? But whatever it is, um, you know. Uh, they don't recognize that it's Jesus, and Jesus walks with them. And um, from seven, uh, some theologians debate whether it's seven or 17 miles. For me, it's more than a mile. I would not walk a mile at all, but uh, still, they're walking more than I ever would. And they're walking, and Jesus just begins to explain to them who he is. Simple as that. So in verse, uh, in verse 22, the Bible says, then some women from our group, they're saying, some women from a group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing. They had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. Verse 25, then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Verse 27. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on. He, he faked them out. Verse 29. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them, and as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Watch this. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Verse 32, this is, this is a key verse. Verse 32, they said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? That's a perfect picture of what it looks like to fellowship with God. Now, I never said that these two guys that were they were singing praises to Jesus or they were being super spiritual or talking in a certain translation or, or speaking in tongues. No, it just says, didn't our hearts burn as he talked with us and walked with us? That's what God desires for this house. Amen. That's what God desires for that, that the person you see in the mirror. That's what God desires for the person you see in the mirror, that he's able to walk with you and talk with you. You know what God, you know, uh, one of God's favorite things with Adam, he revealed this to me as I was driving to Jackson in that whole moment. He he loved to walk with Adam in the cool of the day. When he said, Lindsay, I loved walking with Adam in the cool of the day. I'm like, Whoa, really? You did? Yeah. Why? Because I desire fellowship. I was like, but Lord, that's so simple. It is. It is very simple because it's so easy for us to to work up some kind of formula in order for God to do what we want God or we need God to to do in our lives. We think we got to have this formula, got to read enough scriptures, got to pray enough, got to. Oh, I haven't. You know what? My quota of Christian music is it's down. I need to I need to listen to more K Love. I need to get that stuff in. I've been listening to a lot of secular music, or I, mean, I haven't been listening to music at all. We 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 base all these our actions, or we base the status of our life upon the actions that we have done or we haven't done when it comes to Jesus. But at the end of the day, it's fellowship. It's just surrendering time to talk and walk with him or drive with him, allow him to come in the car. And as simple as just saying, you know what, Lord, uh, even yesterday when I got in the car right before I started my route, I said, Lord, come deliver the mail with me. And I know that sounds funny. I know it sounds goofy. But man, I had so much peace yesterday. I remember when I got home, whether it was mom or Dre or Kelsey, how was work? Man, it was great. 
I almost don't remember it because it was well was it perfect no 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 that we had we definitely had some hiccups we definitely had downtime I definitely had uh I had my fair share of running from a couple dogs or you know my little treat thingy not working you know a couple times and I so it wasn't perfect in the natural but spiritually it was it was shalom which is peace nothing missing nothing broken not because of anything I done not because I read enough scriptures not because I spent time with Lord it was just simple Lord I'm giving you the opportunity to come into my life, come work with me, come deliver the mail with me, come ride along with me, and let's fellowship together. Tell me more about myself. Tell me what you want me to be doing. Tell me how to be a better parent. Tell me how to be a better husband. Tell me how to be a better employee. Tell me how, tell me whatever's on your mind. There's one point I said, Lord, what is on your mind? Tell me. Tell me. If you know I can handle it, tell me. Why? Because God desired walking with Adam in the cool of the day. I remember as I was driving to Jackson, one of the things that the Lord told me, he opened it up. He, I, I kind of got off with the timeline, but he opened up the conversation with uh, uh, right before I said, what's the vision of the house? He said, Lindsay, do you love your kids? And instantly, I, I, the way my mind is, I'm a very picture oriented person. Like you can explain something, but I got to see a picture. You know, I, uh, yeah, I just I remember movies, scenes. It's it's best. I like pictures. Motion pictures are better. But, you know, I'm a physical person. All right, I got to see it. So when he said, do you love your kids? And instantly I started in order because that's why I am. You got to start in order. So I, I pictured Kellen. I could I could. Uh, Kellen has a certain scent about him. Um, and as parents, you recognize your child's scent. Um, but Kellen has a certain scent about him and it's, and the touch of his skin. And I, I can see his smile. I can hear his laughter. And I'm beginning to cry. And, um, and I, then I move on to Keenan, and I just instantly my heart started to bubble up even more. And I, I think about Keenan, I think about something fa- uh, funny he had said that, that morning. And I got to Cohen, and by that time I'm crying. I'm like, God, yes, I love my children. I love them so much. And he said, just as you love your children, I love you more. And I, it's something very simple, but I'm like, God, you, you love me just like I love my kids. But more than that, he's like, yes. Wow, God. And at first, my my natural mind was like, that's not that's not spiritual. And then the spirit man kicked in and was like, God is a father. And I was like, oh, God, you you are you are a father. Not only are you father, you are the perfect father. That's why the Bible says that he's the father to the fatherless. Why? Because he's the perfect father. Even for uh, people in the natural that don't know their fathers or don't or never met their fathers or their fathers are no longer that that's what God gets. He loves. He doesn't love that we are without natural fathers, but he loves that he gets to be our father. He is the perfect father. And guess what? The person that you see in the mirror, he loves you more than you could ever imagine. More than you can ever imagine. That's why I told Kelsey I got nervous about preaching this because it's it's not a formulated structure. It's not a formula. It's not do this, do this. It's listen, this is my testimony. And I pray along with the blood of Jesus that it helps you overcome whatever it is that you need to overcome. But God desires people of fellowship. He desires people of communion. Somebody say communion. communion. Remember, communion is fellowship manifested through action. So and uh, the best way to think about it is how are you, how do you and your best friend fellowship? That's what God desires and more. You know, me and my, me and one of my, me and my best friend, we fellowship by talking, by laughing, by joking, by loving each other, by hugging each other, by holding each other accountable. You know, a lot of times we don't think God is loving when he holds us accountable. But Hebrews 13 says that he, because he is a father and he loves us, he corrects us, he disciplines us. You know, I, if I didn't love Kellen, I wouldn't discipline him. If I didn't love Keenan or Cohen, I wouldn't discipline him. Even Cohen, there's a few times I'm like, hey, hey, bro, I know you still think you're a baby. But, you know, this family, I'm going to hold you accountable. Uh-uh, we, don't, we don't do that. Don't, you better quit biting. Like, he bit my shoulder and I was like, hey, mm-mm. I gave him a little tap. Now, you keep on doing that when you get old, it's going to be a lot harder, all right? So back off now. I love you. I love you. But don't do that, you know? And we all can think as a kid, you know, for the most part, the uh, the loving moments of our parents when they corrected us, uh, you know, we ain't going to get into. I'm pretty sure we could all share our war stories. You ain't got to look at certain sides of the room <clears throat> or anything like that. We all can share our war stories. If you got battle scars, then, you know, we'll, we'll make a couple calls. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying. But they did this out of love. Amen. They did this out of love. And even watch this. They provided out of love. 
They provide it out of love. So when God provides, it's not he feels obligated to provide oxygen in your body. He doesn't feel obligated to provide a roof over your head. He loves to do that. He loves to make sure every shingle is in place on top of that roof. He loves to make sure that there is enough food for you and everybody that you're accountable for uh, providing for. Why? Because he, he just he loves to do everything he can for us. Why? Because he is a father. So communion is fellowship manifested in acts. And one of the biggest enemies to uh, fellowshipping with God is distorted identity. Distorted identity. Somebody say sin. sin. So as I'm driving to Jackson, the Lord begins to, to, to unfold this word sin. But the word sin in the Greek, it's called uh, hamartia. Hamartia. Somebody say hamartia. So if you're taking notes, you can write it down, but it's, uh, it's H-A-M. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? There it is. H-A-M-A-R-T-I-A. Hamartia. Sin in the Greek is the word called hamartia. And it's from the words without and miros. So uh, it's from the words without and miros means form. So uh, the ha in hamartia means without and the miros in martia means form. So without form. So we've always known that sin means to miss the mark. But not only does it mean to miss the mark, but it means distorted identity. So what that phrase distorted identity means, it means just viewing things wrongly. It means viewing things incorrectly. It means uh, distortion. You know, not everything is clear. Everything is blurry. And unfortunately, when it comes to sin, when we, uh, if we have sin, it's because of distorted identity. We viewed something wrong. We viewed our true self wrongly to the point that we pursued the wrong things or we pursue the wrong resources, or we try to make a way when God is like, yo, I, I will do it, I've already provided, but because we think our life is on us, you know, that's something that the world teaches that, okay, if you wanna get ahead, you gotta do it by any means necessary. I was working yesterday with the guy, and he, was, he said something, he said, I'm gonna get this mail delivered by any means necessary, and we all laughed, but in my spirit, man, I knew, you know, that that's the culture of the world. That's the heartbeat of the world. Whatever you want to do, by, you got to uh, cut, uh, claw your way to the top, all these things. But the opposite of, uh, of heaven, you know, the kingdom of heaven is known as the upside down kingdom. Why? Because God's standards are opposite of the world standard. And God says that if you want to get ahead, you got to take a bat seat. You know, if you want to be first, you need to be last. Amen. You know, if you want to love you need to love others first. If you, want to, if you want to be provided for, you need to provide for others. You need to, if you want to be blessed, you need to bless someone else. The opposite of the world's standards. But hey, Martia, to miss the mark, to miss the mark and distorted identity. And I want to I give you one challenge, one challenge for this next week, especially um, the last week of this fast. And even after the fast, I encourage you to do it but taking the definition of a root word and putting it within the scripture. So you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read Romans 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. I'm going to read it first, and then we're going to place the definition of sin in there. <clears throat> but Romans 6, verse 6 and 7, Paul says, he says, Since we have been united with Jesus in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Now that word sin, we said that word sin means to miss the mark, and it means distorted identity. So watch, watch how the word comes to life when we place those definitions in there. So since we have been united with him in death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that missing the mark might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to missing the mark. We are no longer slaves to distorted identity. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of missing the mark. We were set free from the power of distorted identity. See, you, you change how you truly view and understand the things of God with that simple Bible exercise. That simple Bible exercise, you change how you can truly view God. Literally, you and I, we were, we were freed from missing the mark. That's all sin is. There's a standard that God has. And when we sin, it's, uh, that act of sin, that's, we've missed it. 
you know, if you ever, uh, mom could tell you, I love this practice. Uh, vicariously, I live through Steph Curry. Sometimes I think I'm Steph Curry, so I like to shoot. Uh, whether it's paper towel wads, paper wads, tissue wads, in this trash can that's right beside her seat. Now, I do it for multiple reasons. One, because I believe I'm going to make it. I fully believe without a shadow of doubt, oh, this is going in. You know, I believe it so much that even the way I arc it, I arc it just like I do the rainbow, teardrop, the shh, and nine times out of ten, well, I'm not even going to say nine times out of ten. We'll be fair. We'll be fair. You know, maybe four times out of ten, I miss it. You know, nobody asked for the peanut gallery. Maybe six times out of ten, I miss it. <laughs> Hey, you know, most of it, you know, it goes everywhere but the can. Nink to the side, in, in her bag, whatever it is. I do it for multiple reasons. One of the reasons I do it because I think I believe I'm going to make it. Second reason, I, it kind of, it kind of, it kind of, you know, pokes that mom a little bit. I, I just like to see her reaction. I like to see what she's going to do. And then, you know, and then third, it's good practice. For one day, if I ever go to a game and they're like, we need a half-court shot from somebody in the audience. Hey, I've been practicing. I'm ready. I'm ready, baby. Kelsey, hold the baby. All right. <laughs> it's time to go get a million dollars. You know, like. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> so I'm just saying. So now y'all now y'all know my motives. Kevin, when you come over to the house, now you know my motives. Oh, he's just getting ready. Okay. He's getting ready. Yeah, hey, if you uh, if you stay ready, you never gotta get ready. All right, just saying. Uh-huh. But the times that I miss the shot, that's missing the mark. The standard is the 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 paper wad going into the can, but when I miss it, that's missing the mark. God has a standard. And when we miss it, that's what sin is. But the Bible says that sin in its natural form is distorted identity. So when we sin, it's because we viewed something wrongly in our lives. We viewed our relationship with Jesus wrongly, or we, we have viewed our relationship with God wrongly. We have viewed God as something that he is not, which has led us to try to do it on our own, try to make it on our own. And when God was saying, I desire people of fellowship, I desire people that can view me correctly. Now, I'm not, when I say view him correctly, I'm not saying you got to know all the A, B, C, all the way to the letter Z, uh, all the different things about Jesus. No, what I'm saying is we have to view God as a father. And not not an abuser and not a destroyer, but God is a father. So, Lindsay, why do you keep saying God is a father? Well, a loving father provides. A loving father will protect. A loving father will bless. A loving, a loving father will defend. So, therefore, when different things come up in our life, when different attacks happen, and we're like, God, why didn't you? Oh, wait, wait, wait. God, it could have been worse. So, was your hand here all along providing or pre preventing or defending? Or when God says no, a lot of times we're like, well, I, I, you know, I want to do it my way. God, why are you saying no? Versus, God, are you trying to protect me from something? Are you trying to defend me from something? Why? You, you love me enough to keep me from? I remember back when we lived in uh, Abingdon, Virginia. I worked at, um, worked at Johnston Memorial Hospital, same hospital Kellen was born. And I worked in this department and uh, I loved it because the previous job I had was working at Little Caesars. So I went from Little Caesars to working in a hospital and I was flexing to all my friends. Tets, you know, I took a picture of my name badge because my title was Imaging Index Specialist. I'm like, whoa. I went from flipping dough to flipping papers. Okay. I took a picture. I sent it to Carlton. I was like, look at this. I'm a specialist. I remember one day I sent a picture to Kelsey. I'm like, your husband, a specialist. <laughs> Now, they were very nice at the hospital because you know what my job was? When, you, when somebody would be discharged from the hospital, I'd take their, take their file, take all the papers out, scan them into the computer, put them back in there, and then go put them in the chart room. That's all. But I was a specialist. I was a specialist. I would tell myself that, Lindsay, you a specialist? Look at that handsome, dark chocolate specialist. Come on now. You better scan them papers in. Scan them in. So, but, you know, the title was more than really what it was, and they were very generous, generous to give me that title. But I remember um, there was, uh, within that department, there was quality and control. So their job was to, to go and look at what I'm doing and other people like me and make sure that we're scanning into the right, the right uh, places or whatever. And I remember they had an opening. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to apply. So I went and applied, did the interview, and I didn't get it. And I was, I was so upset that I didn't get it. I remember, I, like, I dressed up. I wore a suit and tie that day. You didn't have to wear one. I wore a suit and tie that day. I was walked in the hospital. A couple of the doctors like, oh, hey, Lindsay. I was like, hey, how y'all doing? You know, I was like, I was ready. And uh, I, I didn't get the job. And I was, I was so hurt. 
And I remember telling God, like, God, I didn't, I didn't pray. I didn't ask. I just told him. You ever have those moments where you tell God, it's like, God, I wanted this job. And God, being a loving father, he could have put me in my place. But understand this, a lot of times the silence that we don't hear from, or the silence that we hear from God is still his love as well. So it's silence, nothing. The next day, nobody in there, I remember I would have to walk past the, the, the window of quality control, and I didn't see anybody in there. And, it, you know, I was like, okay, well, maybe they're in a meeting or something. I go to lunch, didn't see anybody. And uh, so I asked this one, I was like, hey, what happened to quality control? He's like, oh, you didn't hear? I was like, what? That department got shut down. I was like, shut down? He's like, yeah. And a few of them, they were working, they, they set up something in the hospital where they got to work three more months in another department in order to still have a check as they worked out the retirement or whatever it is. But and then a lot of departments within the hospital and medical community ended up closing, especially with that company. But I remember the moment I heard that, I went to the bathroom and I began to sob. I was like, God, thank you for preventing me from not having a job because I could have got it. And then 24 hours later, not have a job and then sitting at the house wondering what I'm going to do. A lot of times what God tells us, no, it's not. It's still an act of love. It's still an act of, I'm a loving father. I'm trying to prevent you from having uh, uh, more damage in your life than what, you're, than what you can handle. Hebrews chapter, uh, or 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that there's, there's nothing that we can't escape through him. I love that. In fact, here, just if you have a Bible, I want you to turn there real quick because God showed me something as well through that. If you don't, I'm going to read it. Lindsay, where are you going with this? I promise it's all making sense. We're, we're, just, we're flowing with him this morning. But he, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, <clears throat> verse 13, because this is something I quoted all during the early part of last year. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Let me pull it up. Come on. There it is. I want to read verse 12. He says, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. Somebody say, be careful not to fall. The temptations, this is verse 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. Somebody say faithful. faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. How does he know the way out? He has to be invested. He has to know every detail of it. He has to know every detail of your life to the point he knows the right way out. And that was one of the things that he reminded me because all last year we had something to where I was like, Lord, I would just confess every day. First um, Corinthians 10, 13. Lord, I thank you for the way of escape. Lord, I thank you for the way of escape. I thank you for the way of escape. Well, guess what? The way of escape came. And I remember in the car ride, I'm like, God, I, I, this isn't what I thought the way of escape would look like. And I'm like, but you know what? It's what I need. And you knew that, God. Why did you know that? Because you're a father. His hand in your life may not look like what you want or what you thought it was going to, but I promise you it is what you need. If it's not now, it is for the future. Well, Lindsay, I don't understand it. We don't have to understand it. And at the end of the day, it's not our job to fully understand why he does what he does. Our job, watch this, our job is just to provide that fellowship. That, that moment or that openness to where he could come in the home with you. He can come in the car with you. He can come in the bathroom while you're, ladies, while you're doing makeup or while you're brushing your teeth or, or fellas while we're doing whatever. He can come in the moment. There's been times growing up I would always hear dad use this as a testimony, and I never understood it until I became an adult when dad would begin to work on cars and he wouldn't know how to do certain things. That was a moment of fellowship where he would say, God, show me how to do this. He was working on my car last week, and there was something he said he didn't know how to do, but he's like, God, show me how to do this. That's what fellowship looks like. Taking a problem, and instead of being tempted to, make, uh, to, to fix it on our own, saying, okay, God, how do I fix this? Lord, how do I talk to this person? How do I, how do I grow in my relationship? God said, I desire this house, this house. Somebody say this house. I desire this house to be people who fellowship with me, people who have communion with me, people who talk to me, people who pray, people who worship, people who invite me into their everyday life. At the end of the day, that's God's desire. 
Lindsay, that's super simple. It's not as deep as I wanted my flesh. It's not as deep as my flesh wanted. But you know what? The moment that I accepted it, I found every day that the maturity level or my awareness of him has started to grow even more. To the point I got up this morning, and I'm not saying this as a humble brag, I'm trying to give you an example. I got up this morning, and I didn't want to get up, but instantly I just felt him in the room. I was like, oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, man, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I just began to weep, not because anything bad had happened, but I just began to weep because I'm like, here you are again with me. You could be with anybody in the world. You could be uh, whatever you want to do in the season. You can invest it in somebody else. But, Lord, you are choosing to do it through awkward Lindsay. You are choosing to do it through nerdy, uh, loves coffee, loves bacon, loves comet stuff, loves his kids willing to roll around in the floor and be a goofball. You are choosing to do it through me. Why? Because you love me. Simple as that. God chooses you because he loves you. 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 Somebody say he loves me. He loves me. That's uh, that was, you know, one of the uh, reasons we did worthy of it all. No, not just because it's a simple song, but because God, out of everything, you are worthy of everything I could give you. And we were right before service, uh, you know, we was getting our offering together. I just found so much joy. And give him my offering, not because we had a lot to give, not because we had a million dollars. We ain't got that yet, but it's coming, hopefully. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm getting my half court shot ready. That's all I'm saying. But I found so much joy filling this envelope with a gift to God. Why? Because the reason I had that gift was because of God. You know, my testimony is that I've begun to work more and more on my job to the point that they're trusting me and sending me to other places to work. Not because of not because of what I know, not because of my vast, diverse music uh, history or not because of my interest in all the different things in the world. No, but because of God. And even yesterday, as I was driving, I was like, Lord, this is because of you. My kids are because of you. My wife is because of you. My parents are because of you. My sister is because of you. My church is because of you. My cousins, my friends that are family or or even my Lord, it's all because of you. Lord, yes, there are things that are not perfect. There are things that I wish would be better. But at the end of the day, you have my back. Because of Jesus, I want you to understand this. Because of Jesus, God will never turn his back away from you again. See, in the past, before Jesus did what he did, the cross, God, the, his back was to sin because he's a holy God. He didn't desire it. He didn't desire the gap between you and him. But because of Jesus, God's back will never be turned to you again. Lindsay, why are you saying that? I'm saying that because at the end of the night, when things get tough, when those seasons get tough, that's, you know, when Kelsey read that scripture earlier, it makes me think of the song by the whinings. Ain't no need to worry what the night is going to bring. There's been seasons of my life where I found myself singing that, not because it's a great bop, not because it's a great song, but because I have to sing it to myself and I have to remind myself, ain't no need to worry well, the night is going to bring. And even I'll say, Lindsay, it'll be all over in the morning. And I love the bridge in the morning, morning. It'll be all over in the morning. What are you reminding yourself? What promises of God that you're reminding yourself of? Or are we reminding ourselves of the lack that we have? We remind ourselves of the boss that doesn't understand us or the coworkers that don't understand how good they have it, you know, with us being in their presence. You know, what, what, are, we, what are we reminding ourselves of? Or are we reminding ourselves of the things that we wish we could accomplish but haven't accomplished yet? Are we reminding ourselves of all the things that the, the shoulda, coulda, wouldas? Now, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a plague. That is a very easy, contagious play. The shoulda, coulda, woulda. We all can circle the chairs around and talk about, I wish I woulda this or shoulda that or all the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. But I remember years ago, the Lord gave me a solution to the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. You ready for it? He said, in order, to, you know, because if you, if you indulge in the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, you paint this false narrative of what life would have been like if you shoulda did this, if you woulda did this, if you coulda done that. But in order for that life to be possible, Watch this. You have to remove every good thing that you have currently in your life now. And I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't like the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. <laughs> because I have a lot of good things going for me. I have breath in my body. You have oxygen in your body. You have oxygen in your body. You have people that love you. You have a God that loves you. Sin is based off of distorted identity. 
So a lot of times when we're missing the mark, we need to say, okay, how, what, what am I not looking at right? What am I not looking at clearly? Amen. I want to end with this, but <clears throat> this needs to be the testimony of our church. There's a song, it's called, uh, it's called Communion by Maverick City, and within it, a few of the lyrics, it says this, it says, Here's where the dead things come back to living. Hearts begin, or hearts beat again, and friendship with Jesus is restored. That needs to be the testimony of this church. That needs to be the testimony, not just when people come to church, but when people experience you, when people talk to you at your job, when people text you, when people uh, see you at the at Walmart or at the gas station, their testimony of when somebody says, man, what was it like hanging out with Miss Arnell? What was it like hanging out with Miss Aletha? What was it like hanging out with Dre or Kelsey or Lindsay? Well, I don't know how to explain it, but it felt like something came back to life within me. It felt like my heart was beating again. You know what? I was reminded that Jesus desires friendship. That needs to be the testimony when people are around you that revival sparks back within them. I'm not saying that, you know, you go up to each and every person you're around and start laying hands and prophesying and slapping them with the oil and the bacon grease and all that stuff. I'm not saying that. And taking up a love offering, not saying that. Not saying that at all. Well, Lindsay, God desires people of communion. Not saying that we had to take up, uh, we had to break the bread and drink the grape juice every Sunday or every day of the week. If you desire to do that, go ahead. But what I'm saying is people of communion, the testimony of this house needs to be that people, the, the hearts begin to beat again. Dead things come back to life. In order for that to happen, guess what? You have to be fellowshipping with God. See, Kelsey can always, uh, you know, before I really started working again, she was here uh she was here working at Montessori, so Cohen was with me. But when she would get home, she could tell that Cohen had been with his father because he was starting to, to want me more. He was starting to laugh with me more, cut up with me more, doing all these different things. People can tell when you've been in the presence of God. People can tell when you have fellowship with God. I'm not saying you got to pray 30 minutes or an hour, but there, there's something that happens. There's, there's a transformative work that happens when you say, okay, you know what, Lord, what is it you desire? What is it you desire? Tomorrow's Monday. Who, uh, how many of us are going to get up in the morning and say, okay, God, I, this, is, this is usually what my work schedule looks like on Monday. What do you want to do about it? How do you want to do? How do you want me to work today? How do you want me to live today? How do you want me to breathe and move? Acts 17 says that, uh, I, I believe it's verse 28, but it says that we, have, we, we live and breathe and move. Our entire existence is in Jesus. So if our entire existence is in Jesus, shouldn't we, shouldn't we see what he wants us to do? Shouldn't we see how he wants us to talk? Shouldn't we see how he wants us to live? Shouldn't we see how he wants us to breathe and be? Just like the hymn says, we forfeit peace. Watch this. I, the, I'm, yeah. We forfeit peace when we bear our needless pain and refuse to carry everything to God in prayer. I'm going to say that again. We forfeit peace. Yeah, we all understand what peace is. You, you, you give it up when you bear your own needless pain. All the pain that you, you, you forfeit peace, you give up peace when you decide, you know what, I'm going to try to make it happen. I'm going to try to end this. I'm going to try to take care of it. We forfeit peace when we bear our needless pain and refuse to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Jesus desires friendship. And if you don't get anything today, you need to understand this. We need to see him more as a friend than as an experience on Sunday. We need to see Jesus more as a friend than as a distant person in heaven. He desires friendship. He desires fellowship. Literally, that's, that, that's, that's the vision of the church going forward. God, what is the vision for the church? I want people of communion. I want people that fellowship with me. I want people that pray and talk and love and meditate and give me opportunities to be in their life every day. I want people that will bring me to work with them. I want people that will bring me into the moment where they, I want parents that will, when it comes down uh, time to correct their kids, I want parents that will include me into the correction. I want parents that will pursue me and say, okay, God, how do I, how do I deal with this? Kenan did something the other day, and I remember saying in, just in my heart, Lord, how do I deal with this? Because I, I know what I want to do. I know what I want to do. 
But Lord, how do I do this? That's what fellowship looks like, considering him and bringing him into the midst. So here's your challenge. Where are you going to bring him in into your life? As we leave here today, where, where are you going to include him at? I'm not, and, and some people like to be super spiritual, you know, include him into, okay, uh, it's time to eat. Lord, where do you want me to eat? Which restaurant do you want me to eat? Lord, what do you want me to choose on the menu? Lord, what color socks? I'm not saying, not saying that. We're not getting that detailed. You please choose your own socks, okay? Lord, do you want me to put on D.O. for the B.O.? Yes. I can tell you that now. You don't have to pray about that. He wants, he wants you to twice apply, all right? And when you're getting low, go to the stove and get some more, all right? Like, you ain't got to pray fast and plead supplication and prayer to find that answer, all right? There's some things that common sense will tell you, okay? please and if you don't know now you know all right but at the end of the day fellowship somebody say fellowship i don't know if you understand this but god said the thing i desire this year in 2022 is that we fellowship with him more that we see him as a friend we see him as a friend we see him as a friend not as a cash cow not as a not as a lord if you give me this then i'll do this or if i do this you give me this no no he said i just want people that will pursue friendship with me best way to explain it i know i'm closing best way to think about it is i desire people that will allow me to walk with them in the cool of the day just like i did adam jesus the purpose of jesus was to restore that opportunity in your lives to work i can walk with you in the cool of the day or for me in the cool of the mail car, freezing in 30 degree weather, putting letters in a box. And it wasn't ideal, but you know what? Yesterday was the funnest day I've had in a long time. Not because of, you know, I got ahead, but it was because it was the first time I brought him in the car for me. And I said, okay, God, what do you want to talk to me about? What do you want to do? And there was times of silence. There were times where I didn't hear anything and I'm just driving and putting stuff in. And there'd be times where it'd just be a one liner. Or there'd be times it would, it would be a reminder of a scripture. Or there'd be times I'd just burst out in the song. And joy would bubble up. And like, I'm to the point where I'm like, I'm shouting. And I'm not like shouting, shouting. But I'm just like, I'm singing praises to God. I'm, I'm singing melodies, songs and melodies from my heart. And I know there's a couple farmers out there. I probably, I might have like alarmed them because I'm putting, I'm just like, no music is playing. I don't have my headphones in. I'm just singing joy. Why? Because he's with me and I can't help it. It's, it's what happens. In the presence of God, things change. So therefore, if you, if you truly want things to change, then you have the perfect opportunity to bring in the presence of God. To bring it in, bring it in. Yes, he's all around, but he's not going to, he's not going, we used to say this at Bible college, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He is a gentleman. He's not going to force you guys, not going to force you to love him. He's not going to force you. He's not going to kick down your door and say, be my friend right now. You know, we, sometimes the boys, Kenan, say, you're not my friend anymore. We have to force Kenan. No, don't say that. You know, you're going to be your brother's friend. Pretty sure y'all seen the Montessori certain kids in preschool. Even we all remember in grade school growing up. I'm not your friend anymore. No, you're going to be my friend. I'm not your friend anymore. You know, God's not like that. He's not going to force you to be his friend. But I promise you, if you, you, you got to get this. What he wants from you is friendship. It's friendship. Because guess what? If you can get that, you're going to see him different. You're going to believe him differently. You're going to believe him differently. And when you believe him differently, you're going to get different results. You're going to get, I, I can tell you this, you're going to get more frequent results. The desires of your heart, they're going to fall away. And he's going to take his desires and place them within you. And that's what coming into union looks like. People of communion. Amen. Amen.